0: Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us, a personal finance podcast on money, investing, the economy, and why they matter. I'm your host, David Stein. Today is episode 19. It's titled Live Like You're Already Retired. Show notes for this episode can be found at moneyfortherestofus.net. That's also where you can sign up for my weekly insider's guide, where I'll email you the show notes, give you a preview of that week's episode. But I also use that as a forum to answer listener questions and to provide an an insider's look at upcoming episodes so that I can get feedback from listeners in terms of which episode they'd like to listen to first and questions that they might like me to cover in that episode. So that's all in the Insider's Guide. That's where we're building a community around this podcast. And you can find that or sign up for that at moneyfortherestofus.net. Inspiration for this week's episode came from Matt who emailed me a few weeks ago, Matt's in college and he wanted an episode about being financially successful through college and post college. And, and to be honest, I, I struggled with what exactly would I say in that episode. I my oldest son is heading off back to college this week. I dropped off my daughter for her first day and is a junior in high school on my way out to the farm here to record the podcast. And it's sort of, you know, as a father, what do I tell my children to help them become financially successful? And as I thought about it, it, I thought about something I said in episode 13, which was titled, Are You Saving Enough to Retire Early? And I made this statement, but I didn't really describe what it meant. I said, Live Like You're Already Retired and i didn't really I didn't really elaborate on that, and that's what I want to talk about today because if I was going to give one piece of advice to to my children who are college age or high school age or to Matt is to live like you're already retired now what does that mean well first off, traditional retirement in the u s is age sixty five and the According to the Social Security Administration, the average retirement length is about 20 years, and that's based on life expectancy. So that's what the average person will live 20 years beyond age 65, die at age 85, and and there goes their retirement. But a quarter of the people will live past age 90 and 10% past age 95. And so that means a traditional retirement can last, 30 years or more. And in episode 13, we we talked about how challenging that is when you look at the impact of inflation and how much assets you actually need to save in order to fund a traditional retirement. And that episode highlighted a spreadsheet that you could download that's available on moneyfortherestofus.net. You can kind of play around with the numbers. But the more you know, I look at those numbers or you might look at those numbers in that spreadsheet, perhaps it can be a little discouraging. And that's why I think the key is not to necessarily focus on a traditional retirement. And, and what's interesting is retirees or those approaching retirement are actually taking that perspective. There was a study done by the Federal Reserve in the U.S. that was on the well-being of U.S. citizens. It was in the year 2013. The study came out just this past July, and it was a survey questions, and and I'll have a link to the study in the show notes. But there was one set of questions on retirement that I thought were quite telling. And, And here was the question. Which of the following best describes your plan for retirement? And here were the options. I do not plan to retire. Work fewer hours as I get close to retirement. Retire from my current career, but then find a different full-time job. Retire from my current career, but then find a different part-time job. Retire from my current career, but then work for myself. Work full-time until I retire, then stop working altogether. Keep working as long as possible. And other. So that that's a broad range of options. Now... What What's interesting about that is of those seven or eight options, overall, only 25% of respondents said their retirement plan was to retire from their career and then stop working altogether. And, but what what's fascinating about that is the closer they got to retirement, the less likely they were to answer that. For example, those that were 60 years older and plus, only 15% said that they would work full-time until they retired and then stop working altogether. 45 to 59-year-olds, 22% that that would be the course that they would follow. 30 to 44-year-olds, 29% said that they would pursue that course. And then from 18 to 29, that was the highest in that age course, 35% said that their retirement plan was to work full-time until they retire and then stop working altogether. Most people plan on doing some type of work, either part-time work, full-time work, changing careers, and I think what is most telling, the reason why it's those that are close to retirement. A, a smaller and smaller percent says that they will not have a traditional retirement and just stop working and live off their savings is because they don't haven't saved enough and, and because it's it's hard and challenging to put together sufficient ass, assets to last 30 years. It's, it's actually, it's, it's even hard to imagine. I mean, th- think about your typical, perhaps you're in your 20s, your 30s and your 40s, retirement, traditional retirement, isn't for another 25 to 30 years. And then to, to imagine that you're going to live 30 years beyond that, it's, it's mind-boggling and it's hard for us to conceptualize. And I think that's one reason why it's difficult for individuals to save sufficient assets for retirement because it just seems so far away. We don't even know what life's going to be like at that time. So I think the approach that we should take is to just just throw out the traditional retirement. At this point, most people aren't going to be able to live it. Most individuals aren't even planning for it. But let's think, what, what actually is retirement? Isn't retirement just the freedom to pursue the activities that we find most rewarding when you think about somebody to retire, they can, they can get up and they just pursue whatever activities that, that bring them happiness. And wouldn't we rather live in a manner today that could be sustained for decades into our 70s and 80s rather than put off our dreams until we're retired? Now, why can't we live like we're retired today? Pursue activities we find rewarding and that bring us happiness. That's what retirement is. There's no reason why we can't do that today, in this podcast, I want to describe how you go about doing that. There, there's really two aspects of, of it. First, there's the the mental aspect, the mental shift, the perspective we have to take in order to live like we're retired today. The other aspect is much more mechanical, and, and let me focus on the mechanical first. To live like you're retired you have to have income greater than your expenses. If, you, if your income, be it income from a job, full-time job, part-time job, investments, if that income is greater than your expenses, then you can live forever without running out of money. Now, that, that seemed, perhaps that seems self-evident, and then there, maybe there are some of you saying, "Well, that's not really retirement if you're working full time." But again, let's go back to our definition. Retirement for me is the freedom to pursue the activities I want that I find most rewarding, and bring me happiness. And and I thought about this income being greater than expenses. And what what's interesting is I I read a blog post from a early retirement expert personal finance blogger named Mr. Money Mustache. Perhaps you've heard from him or, or read his stuff. And he just sold his house. He was redoing a house, and he just sold his house, and he has $400,000 to invest. Now, Mr. Money Mustache is in his 30s. He's been retired for... I think four or five years. And his definition of retirement is this freedom to pursue whatever activity he wants. And now, and he, he jokingly talks about the internet retirement police that say, well, that, that's not really retired. If you're working, you're not really retired. But again, we're going to throw out the traditional definition of retirement. Retirement is freedom to pursue the activities that you want. Mr. Money Mustache has his $400,000 lump sum he was describing how he was going to invest it. He mentioned that the stock market was overvalued, but despite that, he was going to go ahead and put the vast majority of that at those assets in the stock market, 80%. And if you include the investment he was going to put in, in real estate, publicly traded real estate or real estate investment trusts, which actually are much more like stocks than they are bonds, that's upward of 90%. He was going to put 10% in Lending Club, but in reading his earlier post, I he, he certainly was very, very comfortable putting 100% of that 400000 in stocks. In fact, much of his retirement, if not most of his nest egg, is in stocks. And And as I read that, and thought about it, it troubled me because, one, I wouldn't do that if it were me, and, and I don't invest that way. And I've talked about that earlier, that generally, I won't have more than 30 to 40% in stocks. How am I different from Mr. Money Mustache? Well, here's a quote from his post. Seriously, what do I care about the sticker price of some shares I just bought? I am investing this money for the long haul, and the shares I buy today won't be sold for 30 years or more. By that time, I'll happily place my bet that they will be worth much more. Stock market crashes mean nothing to long-term investors other than perhaps a reminder to buy a few more shares if you have any idle money. How can Mr. Money Mustache say that? Well, he lives... On about $28,000 a year. And he does his income overview every year. So that's about what he lives on. I believe his total income was roughly $80,000 last year. And that's income from his blog. That's income from some carpentry that he's done. And that would be dividends from his, I believe it was dividends from his stock investing. In other words, he doesn't need to sell those shares. He doesn't need to live on the gain. It doesn't matter to him whether the stock market falls because he's just collecting the dividend. And generally speaking, when overall stocks fall, the dividend yield will go up. Companies won't necessarily cut the dividend. Some will. Most will not. So he's just collecting that income stream. His total income is well above his expenses. And that what uh, That's what allows him to invest in the stock market carefree without the fear because he's not worried about the market crashing. Now, you contrast that with myself. My non-investment income is very, very small. I think this year, we're we're in August, I've made about $2,000. And that's from renting out our farm a few times on Airbnb and some things I sold on eBay. That's it. So the bulk of my retirement income comes from investing. And it doesn't just come from the income and yield off investing. It also involves capital gains and realizing gains. And so it's a little more complicated challenge because I don't, I'm not at that point that he is, yet I'm still retired. If you want to live like you're retired, mechanically you need to have income Greater than expenses, and for most of us that will include some type of employment. Let me pause here to share some words from this week's sponsors. What do companies like Ring, Hint, and Togovas all have in common? They all use NetSuite to accelerate their growth. Successful companies know that in order to grow faster, you must have the right tools. Whether you're doing a million, 10 million, or hundreds of millions in revenue, NetSuite by Oracle gives you the tools you need to accelerate your growth. With NetSuite, you get a full picture of your business, finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more. It's everything you need to grow, all in one place, right from your phone or computer. NetSuite will give you the visibility and control you need to make the right decisions and grow with confidence. That's why NetSuite customers grow faster than the S&P 500. NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system, trusted by more than 19,000 companies. It's the last system you'll ever need. Schedule your free product tour right now and receive your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits at netsuite.com david. That's netsuite.com david netsuite.com slash David. Now, how do we go about you know, what's the mindset to live like you're retired? We know what it can be done mechanically, but what is the mindset? And again, I want to return to a quote from E.F. Schumacher. And he wrote the book Small is Beautiful. I I've referred to him in a couple of episodes, and here's the quote. Well, just the phrase. The first part of the quote is is mine. To live like a retired, we need to seek the maximum of well-being with the minimum of consumption. Let me repeat that. Maximum well-being with the minimum of consumption. That's what Mr. Money Mustache is doing. If If you read many of his posts, quite happy as a family. Feels like he's rich, even though he's living $28,000 a year. He has maximized his well-being with the minimum amount of consumption. We maximize our well-being by pursuing work and leisure activities that are inherently good for their own sake and not completed primarily to achieve something else. Now, there's some phrases there from Aristotle, and I want to incorporate some of Aristotle's thoughts because he... He really addresses this issue of well-being and where does financial wealth fit within it. And one of the phrases that he uses all the time is things that are inherently good for their own sake. And these are sometimes called first-order goods. In other words, we, we go after them or we pursue these activities not with the aim of accomplishing something else, such as to earn income, Many people work not because they enjoy it, but they do it for the income. If we're going to live like we're retired, we have to have work activities that are inherently good, inherently satisfying for their own sake, and not just to get income. Now, Aristotle identified, well, his term for this state of well-being is, and it's it's a Greek word, and I'll probably mispronounce it, but it's eudaimonia, eudaimonia, E-U-D-A-I-M-O-N-I-A, and it's traditionally translated as happiness. And Aristotle said this was the supreme good. It, it was the good above all others that was inherently good for your own sake because individuals typically, once they're happy or fulfilled, they're not trying to get fulfilled for some other reason. They want to be fulfilled because they want to be fulfilled to supreme good so eudaimonia is often translated as happiness but other meanings include prosperity success fortune ease and enjoyment but it is never translated as financial success or wealth here's what aristotle says about that in politics some people suppose that it is the function of household management to increase property and they are continually under the idea that it is their duty to be either safeguarding their substance in money or increasing it to an unlimited amount. The cause of this state of mind is that their interests are set upon life, but not upon the good life. And even those who fix their aim on the good life seek the good life as measured by bodily enjoyments, so that inasmuch as this also seems to be found in the possession of property, All their energies are occupied in the business of getting wealth. He uses this phrase, the good life, and and Aristotle never really described what the good life is, but he described what it was not, and it is not the endless pursuit of wealth or, or financial freedom. The good life is living like you're retired, having the freedom to pursue activities that bring you happiness, that bring you reward, and bring you satisfaction, it does not consist of wealth. There's a phrase in sport called the sweet spot, and it is a location on a racket, batter, club that maximizes the distance, power, and accuracy of the ball when it makes contact, either in baseball or golf. It's a sweet spot. That's the technical definition, but you know to truly understand the sweet spot. You have to experience it for yourself. If Aristotle had played baseball, he might have said living the good life is like hitting the sweet spot. But since he was a Greek philosopher that lived about 400 BC, he used a different term for sweet spot. And the term he used was virtue. Virtue for Aristotle meant to take actions and have feelings that were not excessive or deficient, but hit the mean, the right amount at the right time, in the right manner, for the right reason. And he called that the golden mean. So when we live like a retired, we're living the good life. We're pursuing these activities that are inherently rewarding for their own sake. We are pursuing activities in the right amount, for the right reason, and at the right time, what Aristotle called virtue. And we are doing these activities because they maximize our well-being. That is what makes us the happiest. But we need to do that while minimizing our consumption. In a future episode, I'll talk about how to go about the decision process that you should make in terms of buying stuff, the things that you buy, the experiences that you get, and at least the mindset that I use. But... Mr. Money Mustache has, has learned to minimize his consumption and maximize his well-being. What if we don't know what those activities are that maximize our well-being, that allow us to hit the sweet spot, to live the good life? Well, Aristotle gives some suggestions. And, and this is appropriate whether you feel stuck in your job or you just, you just don't know what, what to do. And, and he says, and this is from his book, Politics, Act. Act with knowledge. Seek out skills. Practice. Just experiment. Try different things to figure out which activities allow you to hit the sweet spot. And to, to do so not with the aim of trying to achieve something else, but for its own sake. Activities that are inherently good for their own sake. That's the second suggestion. Choose to act, but choose it for its own sake. And the third suggestion from Aristotle is to act in the noblest manner that circumstances allow. Here's his quote. A good general makes the most effective use of the forces at his disposal, and a good shoemaker makes the finest shoe possible out of the leather supplied him. We work with what we have. We start where we are now. We don't wait for circumstances to improve. And that's all we can do. We can can act like we're retired today simply by trying things out and experimenting and slowly by slowly changing our life to where we have the mindset that we're retired because we're pursuing activities that are inherently good, inherently satisfying, and we're trying to find the right balance. We're trying to do it in the right way for the right reason. At the right time, so that's the mindset, and then mechanically, we're trying to find ways to generate an income that is satisfying, that is greater than consumption, and perhaps we're like Mister Money Mustache and have reduced consumption so much that we don't need much income at all, and then we we become much more like Henry David Thoreau, as I've talked about in earlier podcast. Recall his quote where he said, what is it to be born free and not to live free? Is it a freedom to be slaves or a freedom to be free of which we boast? And, and Thoreau was very much always talked about taxing ourselves, burdening ourselves with too much stuff, which too, with too many activities that are not, Supreme goods or first order goods or activities that we do simply for the sheer enjoyment of doing them. That's how we do it. We got to have income greater than our expenses, and and one way we don't do that is take on debt. When we take on debt, we are essentially spending today income we're going to be using or receiving in the future, or hopefully receiving in the future. There should be very few things that we should do that for, because that's a way of enslaving ourselves, because we've just essentially spent future income today. If we're going to live like we're retired today, we want the income this year to be greater than our consumption this year. We don't want our income next year to be paying off consumption that we had several years previously. That's another real key. Stay out of debt as much as possible. The only time of debt we really should consider is debt that is an investment in our future self, such as education. So does that mean we should no longer save or continue to save a portion of our income? Absolutely not. By minimizing our consumption, we should be able to ideally save much more than we are doing today, and it feels less like a sacrifice because we're minimizing our consumption while maximizing our well-being. The benefit of saving, continual saving and investing, is over time you're able to tilt or shift your income where a majority is coming is no longer coming from employment, but much of it is coming from your income from investing. And that gives you more flexibility to pursue activities where you don't have to care about what is the pay at all. And so saving, continuous saving, is important, and that's why we continue to talk about money investing in the economy, and not just why they matter, because today's episode, episode 19, a little more philosophical than many, I like to combine philosophy of money along with more nuts and bolts like we had last week, episode 18, which investment vehicle should you use. That's episode 19. Please, if you have any questions on it or if you have suggestions for future topics, you can email me at jd at um, Also, can contact me via Twitter at JD stein. Just remember everything I've shared with you in this podcast episode is for general education only. I've not considered your specific risk profile. I've not provided investment advice at all. And so simply general education on money, investing, the economy, and why they matter. Next time, episode 20.